I've written over 20 books, and by far one of the best and most helpful for parents is, is that book titled Raising Teens in a Contrary Culture. It's a book that is so full of practical helps and applicable truths and easy-to-adapt directives, all designed to help you and your family. In this book, you'll learn about deeper skills of listening to the heart of your teen, about transitioning from a teaching model to a training model of parenting, deepening a deeper and genuine relationship with your teen, dealing with the hard stuff of parenting, the stuff that no one ever taught you about, and you'll learn about strategies of remaining connected with your teen at the time that they need you the most. I think you'll love this book and really believe it's one that I would recommend for most parents of teens and preteens. And we also have this title in a video curriculum series that includes lessons that I guarantee will stimulate discussion among your small group. It even has a workbook for each participant. So to order this book or the small group curriculum series titled the same, Raising Teens in a Contrary Culture, please visit ParentingTodaysTeens.org. That's ParentingTodaysTeens.org. Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregson sits down for a conversation with a couple of teens from Heartlight. Heartlight is a residential counseling center started by Mark and his wife, Jan, that creates an arena of change for both teens and parents. Let's hear from a couple of Heartlight's teens today. Mac, thanks for being part of the program. Glad to help. Hey, you know what? I, I'm sitting across from a guy that's got long hair and a ball cap on backwards. It's smiling like crazy. <laughs> it used to not always be like that, was it? Not at all. And why is that? Why is that? Um, I mean, there are just troubles upon troubles. Like what? Um, a lot of it is just like relationship stuff, like specifically with my parents. Yeah. It just kept going downhill, down, 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 and then came to Harlight. And that was wow. like... Okay, so how did it go down? How did it... What began to spin out? What caused the problems at home? Um, You know, I think the biggest thing was... uh. Let's see, back my freshman year, yeah, I had, you know, I was a teenager growing up and the time that I grew up and now. And so I was hanging out with kids, just doing doing our own thing, having fun, and kind of like dipped into weed a little bit and mm. experimented with that. And then that was like summer going into my ninth grade year. The ninth grade year, I tore my ACL and I was taken out of my, like all my activities, so like wow. soccer, wow. choir, show choir. And so I filled my time by just smoking with my friends all the time. And then from there, it just went downhill. Wow. Okay. L- let me ask you this question. You know, th- I mean, they're, they're legalizing marijuana in a few states. Yeah. Yeah. How does that affect you and your perception of that? Um, I mean, I think... Personally, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. Um, and I see them legalizing it in these states. It's become more and more prevalent. Um, yeah. I think I think it's okay in moderation. 
Um, and I think it's good that they have like the like the age of when you can start smoking. Yeah. It's just like the drinking laws in Texas. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think having that age, just like having that mental maturity and like physical maturity yeah. of like your brain being developed and stuff like that. And so if you're smoking, like it's not affecting your, your brain or your growth. Okay. Do you think that most people your age think that way? Uh, definitely not. No way. Really? Yeah. Well, you think most of them are against it or most of them are for it? I mean, I think most of them are for it, but they're for it even more so than me. They're like, why is it not legal in my state? Uh, why is there had to be an age limit on it? Yeah. Why yeah. is it so expensive? Like the government can make so much money from it. Yeah. And they just look at all these things, but they don't understand that it really does hurt people in ways. And so you have yeah. to be like put some guidelines up around it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, here's, here's kind of, it's not the million dollar question, but, but it's kind of one of those questions. I mean, you saw yourself that you really enjoyed that. I mean, I smoked pot when I was in college and, and, uh, and everybody would enjoy it to some degree. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, I began to realize what was the drive behind it that made me enjoy it that much? You know, I love water skiing. But not everybody likes water skiing as much as I do. Mm -hmm. There's something about it that that appeals to me. And, and I think the same way with the marijuana thing. There's something that appeals to people. What did it appeal to you in? What was the thing that it made you, uh, that you, it drove you to it almost, where you go, okay, I'm going to fill my time with that? Mm -hmm. um, I mean... It was it was a replacement for mainly soccer was like my big thing. And so growing up, if I had to fight with my parents or something or an argument, I would just go play soccer. Yeah. And it would be like it would change my feelings from a negative feeling when I was fighting with my parents to a positive feeling. Yeah. It made me feel good emotionally and physically. And so when soccer was taken away, we did the exact same thing. And even more so, it did it quicker. Yeah. And so if I had to fight with my parents, fight with my friends, fight with my girlfriend, fight with anyone, had a bad grade in a class, didn't uh, didn't get what I wanted from my yeah, parents, yeah, yeah. I would just go off and do my own thing, go smoke with my friends. And it was uh, like an instant joy. I wouldn't say joy, it was an instant happiness, just yeah. brought light in my world. Uh I got to put on autopilot and just kind of cruise yeah. and just exist. So do you think it's maybe a coping mechanism oh, yeah, yeah. for you? Yeah, definitely it was. Okay. And and as the world gets crazier, you know, than, than it used to be. I mean, yeah. it's. I think it always is going to get crazier and crazier in one way, but... But it, as it is, I mean, it, it it seems amazing to me that that the whole pot thing and marijuana issues and all that they are countering the the intensity of the culture that you guys are living in. Seems mm -hmm. like it's speeding up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely is. Yeah, I think it's just um, because I know whenever I was back in like junior high, I knew my brothers. Neither of them smoked, but yeah. I knew that. They had friends that did, but they were all juniors and seniors. Right, and then right. I hopped into weed my freshman year, going yeah. into my freshman year. And so I think just as time goes along, more and more kids are doing it, and it just kind of like jumps down the scale to younger kids. Yeah. Okay, here's the million-dollar question. You know, I mean, we talk about being the good kid, and good yeah. kid's gone bad. Were you one of those good kids as people would define you? Um, I think definitely so. And, I mean, and how would you describe that? Um, I mean, my parents always said I was a leader. Uh, I was very involved in church activities, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I was real 
widely involved in my school. Uh, I was in like national honor society, stuff like that. Um, I had always grown up fairly well liked. Um, I feel like a good majority of people looked up to me and then I just felt like my parents were always like real proud of me. Like I was always doing the right thing. Um, and then if I did something wrong, it was like the worst thing ever. Wow. You think you wouldn't have gone down the path that you went on if your parents would have done something different? Yeah, definitely. I think if they would have, because they always, parents always put kids down the right path. They want them to go down the right Right, right, path. They don't want them injured, hurt, or I mean, even killed. Um, And so I think my parents didn't give me any room to make mistakes. It was the guidelines they put up and the fences they put up for me were all down a path of correct choices, right choices, smart decisions. And if they would have just widened those gates a little bit and given me some room to run around and make some minor mistakes, then it wouldn't have ended up. You think that caused more anxiety and more issues that as you got older, because the consequences for behavior got greater that that you almost said I'm I'm just going to give it up and I quit. Um yeah, I think it definitely did because yeah. once I did start making mistakes regularly, I was already 14 years old in junior high, I was smoking weed and the idea of my parents' idea of my son smoking weed was so severe and just so like ridiculous that the punishments were out of this world. Wow. And so it just jumped from level zero to level a thousand. Like what? Cut off fingers or, or what? I mean, close, <laughs> close. But they would just take away everything. Like I had nothing, no phone, no wow. friends access, couldn't leave the house, couldn't even like go play soccer, which was harmless. Yeah. And it was just something I liked to do. Yeah. And they saw that taking my phone away, I was like, all right, whatever, take my phone. I'll find another way to go hang out with right, friends. Right. Take away me being able to go hang out with friends, okay, I'll leave the house anyways, I'll sneak out right, at night, right. I'll skip school. And then they saw soccer was like a true joy and they were like, all right, well, if that brings you happiness, we're going to take that away. Yeah. What would you tell other parents that are, that, that are in a similar situation? I mean, they have a 13, 14-year-old dabbling in stuff and and uh, something come, what would you tell them? What would, you, what would be your encouragement to them? Okay, this is how you can keep your son from maybe going down the path that I went down. Um, man, that's tough. Yeah. Um, I think just, like, like I said, like allow them to make mistakes um, and really reiterate that mistakes were okay. And uh, because I know personally, I have a core belief that mistakes are not okay. You yeah. can't make mistakes. You have to be perfect. People judge you off your mistakes only. And so if you can really put it in their mind, mistakes are okay and mistakes are even good. You learn from mistakes. You have to make mistakes to progress. Um, And so if I would have known that at a younger age, I think that really would have helped. Yeah. And just, uh, I mean, like I said, like widen my case a little bit, like gave me some opportunity to mess up. And for parents, like be proactive in what you're going to do when your kid does make a mistake. And don't let that mistake catch you off guard. Right. So kind of, I think when you're a parent and you have a younger child or even a young teen, obviously you're smarter than them. So you set up your guidelines for them and 
you know, okay, they may mess up in this area. They may mess up in this area. So what happens if they do mess up in this area? And then you could talk through that and find out like punishments or even I think another thing that would have helped if I would have had more rewards for my things because my mistakes always had punishments. My well-doings never had rewards. Wow. Wow. That's a good point. Okay. You think you're a good kid or bad kid? I think we're a good kid. Yeah, I think you are too. I think (laughs) you you are too. You know, just because people do something doesn't make them bad. I mean, I think it may be a choice that they make and and, uh, you think you're growing through some stuff now? Oh, yeah. I've grown more in the past seven months than I have 17 years of my life. Wow. Wow. Do you see a difference not smoking pot? Yeah, I definitely do. Really? (laughs) And what do you see? Um, I just see more like more happiness and more joy. Yeah. Um, I also see a lot more motivation. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, me too. Smoking, I never had any motivation. Yeah, that's the one thing I see that's the biggest issue. Oh yeah, definitely. Mac, thanks for being a part of the program, man. This has been great. It's good to be here. All right, thanks. No problem. Hey, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Pathway Healthcare. Um, these guys, I love these guys. They deal with kids who are 18 and older. Uh, they give psychiatric care, medical, licensed counseling, and medication management for both addiction and psychiatric care. And and I, why I love them is that is that they sound so much like what I believe in and what I've been doing all my life, but it's just for an older kid. You know this, that I can't take older kids into the program that we have at Heartlight. We deal with kids that are 13 to through 17 years of age. And so we refer all of our people to Pathway Healthcare, and they've given us a special number. And I want you to write this down. If you have an 18-year-old or above that's struggling through some issues in life, that number is 972-HELPFUL. 972 helpful. So it's 972 435 7385. Or you can find out more information about them at pathwayhealthcare.com. You're going to love these guys as much as I do. Whitney, thanks for being a part of the program. No problem. Hey, tell me about yourself a little bit. Um, well, I'm 16 years old, and I am adopted. I got adopted three years ago, and I have a loving family. Wow. And got adopted from where? Um, I got adopted in Colorado. Um, yeah. I've was born and raised in Colorado, so I've pretty much lived my entire life there. So where were you when you got adopted? I was living in a foster home. Really? I had one foster home, but then my foster mom decided she wanted to quit and start a daycare. And so wow. she sent us to her best friend's house. And she like she also did a foster care, so we yeah, ended yeah. up um, going there. By we, I mean me and my little sister, who was yeah. also with me. Yeah. So how many different homes did you live in growing up, you think? Um, well, if you count the moving with my biological mom, that's six different times wow. since from like when I was born to sixth grade. So wow. yeah. And then I moved into my adoption home and yeah. like, then that was like probably the seventh 
Um, and then I kept moving schools multiple, multiple times. So it was crazy, but. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, so your birth mom, where's she? Um, I think she's still living in Colorado. I'm not yeah. allowed to have contact with her. Yeah. Um, because of like, she did drugs a while back. Yeah, and yeah. so she pretty much, we're not allowed to talk to her until we're 18. Yeah. And. Is that hard for you? I'm kind of neutral about the subject. Like yeah. I have thought about wanting to talk to her when I get yeah, out of, yeah. um, you know, the teenage age. Yeah. And um, so it's pretty scary. I'm still trying to make the decision of whether I want to talk to her or not. Wow. So, wow. yeah, it's just, it's crazy for me. Like yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm not happy. I'm just pretty neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you end up at Heartlight. Mm-hmm. How did you get to Heartlight? What was going on that 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 somebody said, "Okay, it's time. She's got to go to Heartlight." <laughs> well, that one's an interesting story. <laughs> um, what happened was I ended up during adoption. Everything seemed kind of fine on the outside. You know, everybody yeah. said we were a successful adoption um, story, and we were on multiple different like news channels, radio shows, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but Behind the scenes, we were actually, um, I was actually falling apart along with my little sister. Wow. Our family kind of just started falling apart, um, I think, because me and my little sister aren't used to having structure and rules. And so we kind of, me and my little sister kind of led separate lives. And with that, we um, pretty much did things in hiding. Like no one knew what we were doing. Um, then my parents would find out about it. We'd get in trouble. It was a constant cycle of, you know, consequences, losing trust and doing stupid things. And so I ended up smoking, self-harming, um, using like uh, sneaking out, lying, um, being sexual with yeah. boys and stuff like that. And it was just... It's doing stupid stuff. Yeah, really stupid stuff. And so... Um, Did you ever think that if your parents found out about that, that they would get rid of you? Um, was that ever in the back of your mind that, you know, if somebody gave me up, maybe somebody else would give me up? Um, not exactly like that. I would say I had had the thought that if I'm doing stupid stuff as extreme as I was doing, they would send me to like a group home or something because they had sent my little sister to there once because she had attempted a suicide. So um, that was kind of in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to a group home if I slip up and if they find out what I'm doing. And sure enough, I slipped up and they found out what I was doing. And so I kind of expected, you know, I'm going to a group home. But after two or three weeks, I kind of dropped my guards and was like, okay, maybe they're not taking me to a group home. Then the surprise came. I ended up at Heartlight. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, you know, it's a little bit different than a group home in a sense that that the goal here is not to have you live here. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get you home. Oh, yeah. And, you know. Like, it's also to... For me, at least, I think it's also to create different ways to, you know, cope with things and to handle different situations. You think you're learning how to do that? Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, this place has been such, like, even articulating words, like, is so much better for me. And everybody notices I've made progress, and I love it. Well, you know what? The first time that you and I were around each other... I was at the Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> and you were kind of obnoxious. And I, and mm-hmm. I mean, was that kind of a 
put on to, or were you nervous being in public or, or, I mean, because you're so calm and easy now. I mean, you, you like you've aged five or 10 years, you know, over the <laughs> oh, last yeah. few months. Um, well with that, I think I was just trying to fit in. I was trying to yeah. figure out who I was and like who I wanted to hang out with. And I do admit that I was a little immature or I guess a lot of immaturity, <laughs> but, and, um, so hanging around those people, I didn't really know how to like be mature inside yeah, of a restaurant because yeah. my family's pretty wild. So we yeah. kind of never really done the really mature thing yeah. in restaurants. So, wow. um, and then now I kind of know like what it's, what you're supposed to do, how composed you're supposed to be in restaurants. And now I'm not as obnoxious. Just, lear- just learning a lot. Oh yeah. I'm Isn't it amazing so how much you can learn mm-hmm. from hanging around oh, yeah. 35 other girls? Oh yeah. Like yeah. you learn so many like personalities that like you kind of adapt to all of them. Like you yeah. kind of, you you have more patience. And I I was just thinking that yesterday that I have so much more patience now that like than before, like if someone said that they were saying something about me, I yeah. probably would have blown up. Yeah. But before it's like, now it's just like no big deal. Like, well, you're growing up. Yeah. I mean, and, you're growing up. That's the cool thing. And I'm proud of it too. Yeah. I'm well, you definitely be. proud of it. You should be. Okay. Hey, let me ask you. I mean, when you look at your your parents, you know, those two people that adopted you, mm-hmm. how do you see them now? Um, I see them as people who want like the best for me, want yeah. me to succeed. And I want like... At the same time, I want them to see me as someone who can succeed and is hardworking, and I believe that they see me that way now. Like yeah. before, it was kind of like they're my enemy. Um, mm. Like I didn't believe that they wanted me to succeed. They were pushing me beyond what I could do, and I didn't like it. Yeah. But now it's just like I realized that I wasn't trying. So wow. I was like, it's pretty much like I know that my parents care for me, and I know yeah. that they want what's yeah. best for me. So. Biggest change that you've seen in your life has been what? Um, being at Heartlight, like wow. maturing, figuring out like what to do with my life, how I want to live it, and breaking through all the stuff that like my past like yeah. brought up, which was my bio mom was very abusive and like yeah. very verbally, physically um, abusive, and we were neglected, and so like I didn't really know how to grow up, and wow. being here, it's just given me so much. So where like, do you think you'd be if uh, if you wouldn't have come to Heartlight? Um, if I wouldn't have come to Heartlight, I'd probably still be very oblivious to a lot of things, very um, immature, very impulsive, and pro- like just reckless. I'd probably oh. be doing things that I wouldn't yeah. consider myself doing and probably even end up in juvie. Wow. Wow. What's well, been a good thing? I mean, it truly has been a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think everybody sees a lot of change and mm-hmm. and uh, you're just different. I mean, you're not even the same girl that, that got and here. And I love it. That's I love cool. it. That is so cool. Hey, thanks for being a part of the program. No, thank you. You bet. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit parentingtodaysteens.org, heartlightministries.org, or markgregston.com. Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.